Welcome to Chip Chat, an interview series that connects you with technology experts around the issues that industry is focused on today. And now your host, Allison Klein. And we're back live from HP Discover. This is Intel Chip Chat, and I am Allison Klein. It's been a fantastic day of live casting. And day two started off with a bang with our first interview. We're back with our second guests, and uh, two guests this time, Andreas Schneider and Sean Rasmussen, both of Intel. Welcome, guys. Hello, Allison. Nice to be here. Uh, I'm glad, Sean. So, Sean, why don't we start with you? Why don't you introduce yourself and, and what you do at Intel, and then we'll head to Andreas. All right. I've been at Intel about 19 years now, um, and right now I'm working as a BDM, which is a business development manager in our SSD group. That's the group where we are targeting SSDs, and my specific job is uh, targeting enterprise, enterprise SSDs. And Andreas? Okay. I've been at Intel since 15 years. Uh, I used to work, uh, at, started to at Intel, you know, as an account manager for German OEMs, so in our sales uh, department, and uh, I used to move to marketing in 2003, and since as of that time, I'm looking into the storage and server market. So my specific role is, you know, to work with our customers, uh, offering storage solutions, uh, and with our ecosystem partners, helping them uh, to port and uh, to develop their own assets around our products. We have been talking a lot about storage at Chip Chat and at HP Discover in general. Um, what, when you look at the market and you guys have a very unique position, you working very closely with HP, you working very closely with customers in Europe. Um, what do you think the major trend is right now in terms of enterprise storage? What is on an IT manager's mind when it comes to where storage needs to head to address the challenges that they face? Uh, with data. Andres, do you want to start on that one? Sure, I will. So, uh, obviously, you know, with the big amount of data growth that has happened because of uh, all the new devices coming on board, you know, we've just seen this here at the event, you know, we have seen people hanging around with tablets and phones, you know, some of them are real, they also real even more than one device, you know. Um, we've seen that, you know, uh, you know, coming from the car industry, developing, you know, cars who are connected to the internet, uh, you know, sharing data about the engine, you know, or the braking behaviors, you know, etc., etc. Think about all the sensors, you know, like RFID uh, uh, or video surveillance, you know, this is creating a lot of data, you know, that needs to be stored. And in a traditional environment, in a traditional enterprise data center environment, there has been a, a few challenges, right? Uh, one, of course, is the total cost of ownership for, you know, the for the hardware environment. And the other one is, of course, you know, uh, you know the, uh, the energy efficiency that they have to deal with, you know. Um, this is also because uh, over, over the last decade, uh, many, many of these data centers have built on some kind of silos, silo functionalities, right? So uh, they used to connect uh, the servers, you know, to, the, to an uh, application layer like ERP or CIM. And so uh, this is becoming very legacy because it's very expensive to maintain, to manage. And whenever you want to scale and add new capacity to these uh, systems, uh, that's uh, becoming a huge challenge, right? Uh, in terms of uh, power, uh, power and energy efficiency, but also in terms of costs. So, what we are going to help our customers and the industry here is, so we are going to develop uh, different uh, assets in our products that help, you know, to drive a scale-out model. So that means make the existing infrastructure more scalable, make it more 
energy efficiency by you know, using our uh, Xeon processes, you know, who already deliver 45 to 50% better uh, power uh, uh, and energy efficiency against earlier, uh, uh, earlier products. And then uh, we also uh, using, you know, um, other products that we have under, under higher share of value, like the Intel networking cards uh, and the Intel SSDs, that, which Sean is going to talk about later, uh, you know, uh, to further drive the efficiency by linking all these different products and their values into, you know, the, the specific storage approach that the customers have. So I think that Andreas did a great job, Sean, in laying out, you know, the, the, the challenge, some of the Intel products that we have in play. I think you were referencing the Xeon E5 V2 performance and performance efficiency claims. That was the product we launched in September. Um, when you go to an account like HP and you start talking about, you know, what is the innovation that we can drive together to address this customer challenge? Tell me a little bit about what that looks like and, and how we uh, work with a customer like HP to deliver these next generation storage solutions. So our relationship with HP is absolutely great from an engineering standpoint. Um, when you look at the challenges that they're staring at, you know, like we said, power, performance, you know, just the sheer matter of the matter of data that's being gonna gonna be forced on their customers, you know, to deal with. And uh, when we look look at that challenge together, it, it's great. They look at our building blocks, what we can bring, you know, bring in our architects. Um, they put in their solution architects. So bring in the best minds together, and really putting that together um, is a great collaborative effort, and uh, it's fun. It's very fun working close with uh, these great engineers from HP. Andres, when you, you talked a little bit about uh, the cost of legacy storage solutions, the old silos of SANs and, and, and different types of, you know, to some extent, some proprietary technology that was in play in delivering uh, traditional storage solutions. What is the new model of tiering in terms of storage, and, and what role does Intel architecture have? You referenced the fact of use of Xeon processors as the controllers in these systems. Talk a little bit about why that's important. Yeah, uh, Alison, that's a very good question. And it's exactly touch based on the challenges, you know, that we hear uh, from the industry, right? So um, tiering is, is a good topic because that is one of the key ingredients that has been built in our products, right? So when you talk, when you, when you talk about tiering, you know, uh, I would like to, uh, to mention this to, uh, uh, to the three uh, different uh, uh, storage topologies, like uh, hot storage, uh, cold storage, you know, and warm storage. Uh, what is the difference for people who might not have heard this before? So, um, so you have, might have seen that, you know, in your in your private life. So you have data, you have emails you know, that, you, that you know don't need to access every day, right? So you have, uh, you know, data sitting at your in your computer uh, that you know that sometimes are mature. So you might have only read them once or never, you know. You have picture, you know, or videos that you might archive, you know, and you will never pull them back again. And you have uh, those data and uh, those pictures or videos which you use uh, quite often, right? More frequently, so, because you might like them or, you know, they, they have a special uh, behavior associated to it. Uh, so, and this is the same, you know, on, in an enterprise uh, segment, right? So, we have, today we have uh, people 
we see a behavior of people, you know, uh, that they just don't care about, you know, what the backbone looks like. So we see employees from companies sending email attachments, you know, with more than 20, 25 megabytes, 200 of people out there, right? So, yeah, some companies, they have put restrictions on that because, you know, their, uh, their IT is not uh, flexible enough, you know, to scale that model, right? So, and um, so we cannot change the behavior of people, but you know, what we can help on is we can, we can support that different functionalities, you know, like tiering or, you know, putting a, a, a work upfront, you know, before these data get stored, you know. Um, another topic, you know, here is obviously, you know, uh, what that supports tiering is compression and deduplication, right? So that means whenever someone sends the data, you know, uh, the system needs to be capable to analyze the data up front, you know, uh, some kind of put some kind of analyzation on the data, and then, you know, uh, either um, compress the data before they get stored, before they consume capacity from this, this subsystem, or, you know, just uh, 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 check, you know, how far these data uh, are sending twice or third, three times, right? So that means avoid duplication, deduplication of these, of these data and, you know, just send the data that needs to be stored. Uh, that will, you know, force, you know, the scale-out capabilities and that will enable companies, you know, to deal with the massive amount of data moving forward. Cost-efficiently, basically, yeah, because that's what we're talking about. Cold storage, you put it on the most cost-effective, you know, spindle, whatever it might be, and the, th the stuff you need quick access to, you know, that's where you look at things like, you know, SSDs. Right, and and that was the question that I was, where I was going, Sean, is hot storage, hot, warm, cold. No, did you notice that nobody ever talks about warm storage? I don't even know what warm storage is. Someday it'll be explained to me. But hot storage, SSDs are really critical. What else is critical in, in those platforms and what will they be used for? I think Andrea started telling the story, but uh, what is the typical use case for hot storage environments? So just, just as Andrea said, I mean, when you architect out your, your uh, system, you know, you, you want to put those, those quick response you know, SSDs right, right in that key place where you're going to be dealing with that. So caching, caching becomes a key piece for uh, SSDs. We have PCIe drives um, SSD drives that are going to be targeted specifically at, you know, caching. Um, those are coming in high performance, um, absolutely amazing bandwidth we're getting with our, with our upcoming PCIe drives. Um, and then you've got, you know, your, your SATA drives. Let's call those, maybe you can call those warm drives, depending on how you're architecting it out there. But there is this second level of SSD performance, which, uh, you know, SATA comes in at, you know, we're talking about, you know, 75K IOPS. Uh, on a read, 4K uh, read read performance. Pretty spectacular performance there, you know, so I'm, call it hot, call it warm, whatever you want. People can do that now in a cost-effective way. So it's pretty exciting when you start looking at what, what's coming down the pipe here and what people are doing with these SSDs. And Andreas, we're going to move from the tropics to the Arctic and talk about colds. Sean started talking about cold storage. Can you give us a sense of what is this cold storage? You, you, you talked about the fact that, you know, the photos that you never pull up, a great example, you know, the, the, the videos that you archive and you might need it in two years, but you're not going to need it anytime soon. Um, what is Intel doing there that's unique in terms of uh, product innovation uh, to address this, you know, to be honest with you, a, a growing market? 
So uh, when we talk about uh, when we talk about cold storage, then we talk about archiving, right? We talk about backup, those kind of things. And um, there is a there is a there's, there's a change, you know, in uh, underway, you know, from people to rethink about how are they going to store, you know, their, their data, right? Shorter and longer term. Uh, cold storage that, that does not mean they are so cold, you know, they never been used again, right? So think about uh, a, a, a hard drive crash or a storage crash or a system crash, right? So you need to have a, a failover capabilities, you know, that allows you to pull the data back. Even what we have seen from, from some countries within EMEA, so they have just put new rules, you know, behind, you know, how long these data needs to be archived and the backup. So we saw, we have some governments, you know, uh, requesting data to be stored up to 50 years. Right? And in 50 years, those data also need to be readable. So this is a, is a very important part because what are the what are the devices you know that you could really allow you to read data that are 50 years old? Okay. And here's where <laughs> where Intel has a lot of uh, history about you know our products you know and our technologies you know to be up to be downgradable and uh, to be uh, downwards. Uh, um, uh, yeah, compatible, right? So we have a long history, you know, uh, with our, with starting from, you know, the first uh, Intel uh, 86.4 product, you know, which was a DRAM product, moving up to the, to the current Xeon uh, 5600, right? So we have 30 years history, and uh, in theory, every product that has been built over that t long period of time could read the same set of data, right? Well, you actually bring up a really good point in terms of the an, another value of common architecture that people don't think about. I think we have a, a very near-term view. Um, yeah, Intel introduced the Aviton microprocessor, uh, the, the Xeon C2000, I believe is the, or excuse me, the Atom C2000 uh, is the right name for it. Sean, what has the interest been that you've seen in customers on this? And is, is this a pure storage, cold storage play in terms of use in the uh, in the storage arena, I don't know about if it's a pure pure cold storage. There definitely has been a lot of interest from a storage standpoint. Um, a lot of innovation going in right there. People are looking for the best best solution, most cost effective solution that they can do. And you know, Intel's putting a lot of lot of good products, a lot of good building blocks in this area for for our key customers like HP, like others that are doing a a lot of cool things at a very cost-effective price. So. And you know, I think that, Andreas, you bring up a good point, and the, the value of that Atom product really is the software compatibility and the, you know, the multi-generational history of, of compatibility that Intel architecture represents. So I'd assume that you know, customers have got to be attracted to that feature of that product. So yeah, of course we have customers, you know, offering like HP. So they're offering different set of uh, of storage products, right? Starting from you know entry level uh, type of storage, just NAS or Soho uh, 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 or direct attached storages for the consumers, up to you know the uh, three parts, ten thousand series, you know, that goes into large enterprises and and data centers. Uh, so. Uh, the difference here is clearly, you know, on, and this is where, you know, Atom as example, you know, really provides a special value because uh, uh, it, it meets, you know, different type of storage requirements that our customers have, which also comes from the end customers, right? So Atom as example is mainly going into the entry level devices, uh, powering up, you know, up to 12 disk 
based storages or SSD based storages in Sean's case. So, and uh, it's providing a low cost solution, low power, high efficiency, right? Then moving to Xeon, to, to our E3, our E5 and E7 series. So those processors, you know, they have way more capabilities built into, uh, to provide enterprise functionalities, right? Right, uh, probably get to those deduplication features that you were talking about earlier. You example. want a power horse. Yeah, but the price points will also change, right? So that means uh, Atom is really designed to, uh, uh, to uh, enable our customers to build on low cost, power efficient, Okay, so come to the end of the interview, and I've got one more question for each of you. We've come to the end of 2013. So I want to ask you, uh, 2014, if you look ahead, name at least one thing that you think the industry will be talking about in storage in 2014 that we haven't been talking about a lot this year. What's what's the, the key hot topic that you think is going to raise up? Why don't we start with you, Sean? From an SSD standpoint, it's going to be PCIe NVMe drives. They're coming, and they're going to be uh, amazing. They're going to be bringing in performance, power efficiencies, all the things that uh, just basically take us to that next generation. It's going to be big. And how about you, Andreas? What are you looking forward to? So a big topic that we also heard here at HP Discover is clearly, you know, the software-defined things, right? So... Uh, and uh, software-defined storage, as example, is uh, something that will come in the next years. No doubt about that, right? It's, uh, it, it's the next step in evolution, you know, from, you know, a hardware to an application layer. And then moving forward, you know, the application, you know, uh, being connected to the hardware. So this is, will uh, give us the maximum of, of scale-out capabilities. And uh, it will also enable uh, the cloud service providers and the tele telecommunication providers to build on more, you know, uh, efficient services and products. We have seen, especially in the telco environment, you know, there's a lot of legacy hardware built into and uh, which is sometimes where they're sometimes struggling you know uh, to really continue offering best class services you know to the client uh, and you know further you know increase the capacity on flat rates as example or you know their ability to handle uh, thousand millions of phone calls at the same time right with all the million of new devices coming on board the telecommunication, telecommunication industry is really forced, you know, to look into new po possibilities, you know, to change their current hardware infrastructure. And moving forward, software-defined is clearly something, you know, that is, 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 is coming. And we are working with the ecosystem partners here, the software ecosystem partners, to make sure they build all the benefit, you know, that we're delivering within our, with our products, they build this into their software-defined uh, approach. Very nice. Well, those are two good topics to be looking forward to next year. Thanks, gentlemen, for taking some time in your HP Discover schedule for us. And uh, we will be back with our next interview in about 10 minutes. Thank you. Thank you, Alison.